Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. And today, we will be talking with Dr. Beth Riccanati. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're very glad to have you. Dr. Riccanati has a book that just came out in September. It is called Braided, A Journey of a Thousand Hollas, and it chronicles her journey of making bread and her quest for wellness and peace. She is a physician and a mother, and we are very glad to have her here. Tell us one thing. What what the heck is challah? <laughs> challah is a traditional Jewish bread. Most of us recognize it as a braided bread that uh, we have once a week on Shabbat. It does come in other shapes and sizes as well. And what's one of the defining factors of it aside from the shape? The significance of challah is not just that it's bread. It's actually got some symbolism and history wrapped up in it. And it has been made for thousands of years. One of the things that I really like about challah is that it connects me to the past. When I make challah, I am taking a little piece off and saying a blessing, as people do all around the world. And that signifies the offering that was given to the temple thousands and thousands of years ago. And I find that really cool. And it's yummy as heck, Oh, it's so good. Oh, my gosh. We love it on Friday night, but leftovers the next day are even better. A little challah French toast. Yes. Challah French toast is the bomb. Right? Well, I feel like I'm missing out because I, you I've, are. Never, I've never had this, so I will add it to my list yeah. of things to try. <laughs> Can you explain to us how is mental health and, you know, a bread, I mean, even steeped in history, how are they related? Yeah, so great question. And that was the big takeaway that I learned, and it's actually why I wrote the book. Um, so what I realized, I started making challah about 10 years ago when I was totally stressed out and frantic and just trying to do everything and not doing any of it well. And a friend said, gee, you should make challah. It was the Jewish New Year. I did. And flash forward about five years into the process, and I realized the the mental health benefit that I had been so lucky to have achieved. And that is when I make challah on Fridays, I stop. I just stop. I'm present. I'm focused. I'm there. And it's become my my mindful meditation, if you will. It's an opportunity every Friday to hit the pause button and reset and reground with my hands in a bowl of flour. It's been incredible. So in a lot of ways, it, it's it's not so much about the bread making. It's about the ritual, the routine, the something to look forward to. It's my mindful ritual. And I care that we all have a mindful ritual. You're absolutely right. It's, for me, it's the bread, but it doesn't have to be. Maybe it's gardening for you, or maybe it's salsa dancing, as somebody else has recently told me. It doesn't matter what the ritual is, but that you have something that can help to keep you present, keep you focused, keep you mindful is unbelievable for so many reasons, not the least of which is to help with stress management. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, I don't think a lot of people are as aware about how important meaningful rituals can be to us. Yes. So we live, as you know, in a crazy, busy, fast-paced world. And I think many of us, and certainly I had, have lost touch with the importance of having ritual in our lives. We're running all over the place. We're trying to do everything and be everywhere. We're on our devices, etc. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety 
floating around. I see it in my practice. I see it in my own life. And having a ritual, something that can help to bring you back, is such a great antidote to all of that stress and anxiety. One of the things that you say about your book is that it, it sort of chronicles your quest for wellness and peace. Can you tell the listeners what they would get out of the book if they picked it up? So it chronicles not only my journey, but there are really three themes of the book. There's, there's the history of Hala, which I knew nothing about prior to, to making Hala. So there's, there's the history piece. And then there's the food piece, which we can talk about more in a minute, that not only is obviously the recipe, but also the ingredients. And I'm obsessed with food as medicine. And I go into great detail about the six ingredients and the importance of them and the quality and the, I think what we eat really impacts our health. But then the third piece is the, the sort of mom and medical piece. And that's my story and it's stories of some of my patients. And I think one of the really lovely takeaways is that there's some universal themes that, that I've gleaned and that the people who have read the book so far have told me that they can really identify with and this, this need to just pause and be mindful. And whether it's making hala, as I said, or anything else, the remembrance and the reminding that we're all in this together. I know a lot of people have their own rituals, but I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of people's rituals are what you would call meaningful. Sitting in front of the tube every night is right. a ritual for a lot of people. Right. That's my favorite ritual. I know it is. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Vin. Just just call me right out on the show. Um, but, but You brought it up first. But listen, you are right. I, I mean, it, it is not a meaningful ritual, but but it is my ritual. It is what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your question, but continue, please. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, rituals can do two things. What what yours does, Gabe, is it, it de-stresses you from, from your day, which is, of course, a benefit. But then what Beth here is talking about is something of another level entirely. And that's something that is meaningful, you know, for, as she said, there's a lot of examples. A lot of them are, um, are artistic in nature. Yes. In fact. So, and that's, you know, as a writer, I, I, I dig that. So based on what you just said there, Vin, I, I would like to pose the question to you, Beth. How do yes. we create a meaningful ritual out of... Like you said, I just I, I'm just living my life. I do need to de-stress. I'm not going to give up the television. But you're right. I I would like to have something meaningful to look forward to. So what's the process to create that? I think the first step is just doing something. It's that simple. It, it's behavioral modification. At the end of the day, really, I think that it's the act of doing. So for example, I do this every Friday, and it has now become something that I don't skip. And I re have rearranged my life to accommodate it. And we know from researching, if you do something for a month, you're more likely to keep doing it. So for example, if you, if you walk and you walk for 15 days, if you skip the 16th day, you may or may not walk again on the 17th. But if you walk for a month and you miss a day, you'll probably get back to it the next day. So to begin, having a ritual in your life, I think you just have to start doing something. And then it's almost, it becomes the realization afterwards. I think what stops so many of us is that we actually are looking for that perfect thing. What's going to be my perfect ritual in this case? And then we don't do anything because perfect is the enemy of the good. <laughs> and if you keep, it's hard to find what the perfect thing is. You are correct. I, I am fond of saying that, that perfection is the enemy of progress because we don't oh, move I like forward that. because we're, I like that. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to make it perfect. 
so this is this is a little bit of a, of a weird question, but I, I want to pose it to you because I, I think that it is relevant. How do we determine something that is meaningful? I, I think that collectively we can all agree that sitting in front of the television is not meaningful. But well, and, and as, as you well, said, you know, cooking or yeah, speak on that a little bit. I think it's personal. So actually, to go back to the TV example for a minute, you know, if maybe your ritual is that you're going to watch. West Wing reruns with your child, that could be really meaningful, actually. I think it depends for the individual as opposed to, oh, well, we can only say that, that it's meaningful if it's X or Y. I think we all have our own individual, you know, what, what resonates, what, what touches us. We have our own personal motivations for the things that we do. Right, right. right I mean, like, exactly. I can't garden to save my life, and I've killed every succulent in our house. I mean, I can't keep a plant alive. But my mom <laughs> is an unbelievable gardener, and that's her thing. And she does it and does it all the time, and it's fantastic. So I, th I think it, it just depends on us individually. It really does. And, uh, and for, for the record, I, I can't keep plants alive either. <laughs> I'm feeling a little better. Hold that thought for just one moment. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face -face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Welcome back, everyone. We're here talking with Beth Riccanati about Hala and Meaningful Ritual. So one of the things that you had mentioned before is that you view food as medicine. And I know that is a very common thing, but I'd like to hear your twist on that. Yes. So I think that, and I've come to see, particularly through my medical work, that the foods that we eat have an incredible ability to promote disease, prevent disease, and treat disease. So for example, turmeric is a hot one right now. It's a spice that has been shown again and again and again to be anti-inflammatory. I think that's incredible. Or another example, let's take broccoli. We know that there's a substance in broccoli that can turn on and off genes in your body that can promote and or inhibit cancer. But that's incredible to me that the food that we eat can have this ability to um, keep us healthy. Or, or take mental health, for example. We, if you eat a lot of processed and packaged food, as opposed to foods that are rich in omega-3s and fresh fruits and vegetables that are loaded with phytonutrients, you're going to feel a whole lot different if you're eating you know, the Doritos versus a, salmon, a piece of salmon. I think that's just awesome. Let's not go attacking Doritos. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're right. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's one of my I'm favorite I'm going to go take foods. the salmon out of my freezer tonight. The, so. <laughs> I don't like salmon at all, but I completely understand your point because people talk a lot about how eating fried foods or a lot of cake or donuts, et cetera, is bad for you. Uh, but nobody talks about eating healthy can be good for you. And, and by nobody, I just mean like general conversations. Everybody's really quick to smack the donut out of my hand, but yeah. nobody is quick to put a salad in my hand. Um, and and that that's really kind of your point, right? If you ate better, you'd feel better. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
That's powerful. It's super powerful. I see it at work. I see it in our home. It's incredible. And I see it honestly when I make hollow. So the ingredients are the same. The, the recipe that I was given 10 years ago is the recipe that I used just this morning when I made hala. And the six ingredients are the same. However, the quality of the ingredients has gone up substantially as I've learned more and more. So take the egg, for example, that, that I use in my hala. I used to just buy whatever egg was at the grocery store, and I didn't know that there was a difference. But now I know that there's a big difference. And you can go yourself and do this experiment. I've done it with my kids. It's kind of fun. Just go buy whatever random egg you want at the grocery store and then buy the organic, uh, cage-free, pasture-raised, et cetera, egg. Crack them open in two dishes next to each other. And one will have that pale, anemic-looking yellow yolk. And the other will be this vibrant, almost saffron golden color. Don't you want that and all those nutrients? I certainly do. So I've changed. Yes, please. Right? It's incredible. So I, I've changed not the ingredients themselves, like the eggs, the flour, the sugar, et cetera, but I've changed which ones I use because I don't want to put bad food in. I can just as easily put good food in my body as bad food. And now, luckily, that there are so many more choices that it's a lot easier to do that. Right. And, and we out here in California are pretty privileged to have we so sure many farmers are. markets. And yeah, it's it's having grown up back east in, in a tiny little town i grew up eating canned vegetables more than anything else and that's that's a far cry from what we've got here right now yes i'm in ohio so thanks for rubbing it in you two i really appreciate <laughs> yeah, yeah. that yeah <laughs> that's at any time to segue for a moment and, and in your own words do you believe that society in general has just we're just devoid of meaning in our lives that we just get up go to work make dinner pay our bills, go to sleep, repeat. Do, do you think we're, we're lacking as a culture things that make us special as individuals? Are we just like collective drones that are designed no. to work? No, no, no. I just do think that it's gotten a lot harder. I think individually we're remarkable. And I just think because for so many reasons, but not the least of which social media, I think it's gotten a lot harder to hit the pause button and really stop and reflect and figure out what our individual meaning and purpose is. But no, I think that we're still all pretty, pretty unique and special. Wow. Sometimes I don't feel that way though. <laughs> well, but I think that's the point. I, I really, you're, you're right. I, I, isn't that kind of the, the point of your book that we all are unique and special and powerful yeah. and, and available for greatness but at the end of the day, we're, we're all staring at our phones and on social yep. media, and we're, we're not doing these things that connect us to our past and that create traditions for our future. And for those of us that have children, yes. you, you know, what if we don't create traditions for the future? You have this, you have challah bread, yeah. but what is the next generation going to have if you don't have it? Because they won't be able to go back. They don't know great, great grandma. No, and that it is very important. You're absolutely right to continue this. It's been really fun, by the way, since the book has come out, to hear from from readers about how this is reminding them of their grandmother who used to bake or it's something in their heritage. It's you're absolutely right about some of these traditions. I think that's great that uh, you're getting that kind of feedback, and you're having a even today after we're done recording this show you are having a book release party i am it's so exciting at our local independent bookstore i'm thrilled 
just thrilled. Well, I hope that goes well for you. And, and please let us know because it sounds like a blast. Are you are you serving challah? Absolutely. I just made eight this morning. You can't come to a book launch about a book about challah and not have challah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean. Right. <laughs> The, the, the thing that I think is incredible in all of this is that there's still a bookstore. <laughs> uh, in Ohio, they're, they're pretty much wiped out, with the exception of the college bookstores that are on campus that, that largely, largely stock, obviously, the college textbooks. They're, these things are gone. Um, and that's, to your point, there's another thing that we don't have. Uh, I remember, uh, not, not to age myself, but in the 80s, I got up really, really early, like 2 a.m. to stand in line so that Stephen King could sign my book. Oh, wow. And it stood outside a bookstore and waited. This, this bookstore is gone. Uh, they're, they're, they're all gone. This is something that I won't be able to pass on to the next generation because I guess I can stand in line for the iPhone. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of the same, right? Um, but, but yeah, all joking aside, these are things that don't exist anymore. Um, as the world has become more convenient, we've sort of lost out on those things. I, I, I remember Vin telling me about friends of his that, you know, camped outside to buy tickets for things and nobody camps outside to buy tickets for things. We just sit in front of our computer and keep uh -huh. hitting refresh. Um, yeah. so the, these things are slowly disappearing, which means to your point, we need to work harder to find these traditions. Is that, is that really the takeaway? Well, first, we have to even realize, to your point, that we may not have it in our lives. And therefore, we, it would behoove us to figure out something to choose to have some meaning in our lives. And I, what's so great about it is that you'll feel better for it. And that was one of my big ahas. But I felt better for doing this. It's not why I started, by the way. But I realized and kept doing it because that's how I feel when I make it. It's really fantastic. Do you find that when you're in, in the act of, of preparing the hala, that time just goes really, really fast? That you're done before you know it? Well, yes and no. And what I mean by that is, yes, because I get into a zone. And it just, you're right. It's like, I'm done before I started. But on the other hand, when I'm actually in the moment and I'm kneading the dough, then no, it almost is like time stops. Hmm. Yeah, when I'm actually steeped in the dough at that one moment, it's really fantastic because I have to be there. I'm not making it in a, in a KitchenAid you know, or some kind of, I'm, this is, I'm doing it by hand and it's messy and that's fantastic because when in my normal life do I stop and get messy? I really don't. So this is, this is fantastic, but you're right. Then it's all, it's overall too fast and I'm waiting till the next Friday. Right. So can you tell me that from a strictly mental health aspect, how does it help you? What, what, how can you compare how you feel before you make your hala to afterward? Yes, I feel calmer. I feel it calms me down and I feel more focused. I tend to have a running list in my head all the time. There's always something to do. And I'm not good at turning that off. And it gets harder to turn that off normally because of the phone and computers, et cetera. But when I have this ritual every Friday, I'm able to turn it off. And I love that feeling. And what's nice is I can then recall that feeling because once you have something like this in your life and you're aware of the benefit of it, you can remember how you feel and you can recall that then at other times. 
And that's really powerful. Now, when we were corresponding via email, I think one of the things that you said was that even when you travel. Yes. I try and make this now. I really do try and make this every Friday. Occasionally I don't. But when I travel as well, I do try and make it. So, for example, when we'll be back in, in Ohio, actually, for Thanksgiving, and I'll make it that week. And I've already discussed um, with our extended family that, that that I'll need to do that that Friday. And um, when we're away later on in the year, I will as well make it when I'm traveling. Obviously, I can't always do that when I'm traveling, but but if I can get access to a kitchen, I do because it's it's part of my life now. It's what I do on Fridays. And if you were unable to do that for say a month or two, well, she might lose it. It might go away. It would. Right, I, well, I don't I think you. I don't think you'd skip it for a month or two. It's that important. But what if she had to? Yeah, I've skipped it for two weeks in a row, and it's that has not been fun. But I learned that there there should be an eleventh commandment, and the eleventh commandment is that thou shalt always have a frozen hala in the freezer <laughs> for these emergencies when you can pull it out. Because once in a blue moon, I need that frozen hala if I can't actually make it that Friday. Doesn't happen often, thank goodness, but but once in a while. That is very cool. All right, so I'm assuming that we can find the book on Amazon. Do you have a website that we can go to? Give us give us the details. I do, I do. So yes, it's, it's definitely on Amazon and you know, where books are sold. And my website is www.housecallsforwellness.com. And I also have an Instagram with the same handle and I post a tip or prescription, if you will, every morning. And that's at Instagram and then House Calls for Wellness. Housecallsforwellness.com is where you can go. Thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed having you. Thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email TalkBack at PsychCentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. 
One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.